Praise the Lord. Welcome to the broadcast this beautiful rainy Friday morning. Cross time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in my office at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas, the beautiful piney woods of northeast Texas. And this good spring rain we're getting uh, today, a little bit yesterday, mostly all day today probably, is what helps us look pretty around here all the time. The beautiful pines and all the other beautiful greenery here in this this, this beautiful part of the country that I'm so thankful to live in and to function uh, in the things God's called me to function as. Before we get too far into this, I want to take a second today, and I, if I had somebody here that could turn this camera around, I'd show you on that table over there. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight stacks of seven Bibles. That's for the next eight weeks, and it takes about a little more than $1,000 every five weeks for us to keep the Bibles in stock and to ship the Bibles to the inmates. And each Bible we ship, they get two of these. We've done this for, I guess, almost the beginning, uh, over uh, probably going on five years now. Uh, what must I do to be saved if you're lost? And if you're saved and you just can't figure out why things aren't working, I know I was saved. I know I love the Lord, but... And inside these tracks, you'll find that glorious truth of how to be saved and how to live in victory for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not one of many different avenues, faith, and the cross of Jesus Christ alone brings that victory. And these little pamphlets here, along with those Bibles, uh, uh, are being sent. Now, I want to share with you, because many of you give to this specific ministry. This is about the number of letters that we keep on hand while we're shipping off this end, seven a week. They're piling up back here on this end. But I wanted to take just a minute to read to you some of the addresses for the many places these inmates write us from asking for these Bibles because they've seen one of the expositors' study Bibles that Brother Swaggart put out a few years ago, and, and it is blessing them, and sometimes they'll write saying, thank you, I've never seen anything like that that explains the Scriptures like that. And what they're talking about, most of you know, that the notes in that Bible point to the cross of Christ, the only avenue of salvation, the only avenue of application for the Word of God to be applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But listen to this. Now, these are the letters we have on hand right now. And again, by the time we mail uh, the seven that we've already mailed uh, this week, uh, and, and the letters have come in this week, well, by next week we'll have... It stays like this almost the whole time. So watch this. Benton, Arkansas. Conway, Arkansas. Calico Rock, Arkansas. Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Bucky's, Arkansas. Mariana, Arkansas. Henderson, Texas. Huntsville, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Bonham, Texas. Malvern, Arkansas. Uh, Winsboro, Texas, Edinburgh, Texas, Danville, Texas, Bonham, Texas, Jacksboro, Texas. 
all those different places that the Word of God is going into the prison system. And I just wanted to share that, that little bit of news for you to you this morning, hoping that would encourage you, that you would know that the Word of God is being sent to those who are requesting the Word of God. The Expositor Study Bible, just like the one that you would order online if you had it, it's not a different one, it's the same exact one. And we're able to get that into the hands of those inmates because of your help. And I'm thankful for all of you who are helping us get these Bibles into the hands of those who are asking for them. And there's really even more. There, I have a little pile here uh, uh, that, that we're really stuck in the envelopes of somebody else who requested. So these, that there, there's, there's probably 10 to 12 here in this pile that I throw in occasionally with those. So thanks to you. And thanks to God working in you and through you to help us get these Bibles to these inmates who are asking for them. They're wanting these Bibles. They've seen them and they've been blessed and encouraged by them. And can you imagine being locked up waiting on a Bible? And I tell you, they've been through the, the COVID. Nobody's been able to go into the prison systems, take them any materials at all. But they can ask and write for a Bible. And praise God, God has stirred some of His people to send these Bibles into the prison system. And there's revival taking place. You can't tell me there's not revival taking place when people are now beginning to look at the Word of God in the context of Christ and His work at Calvary. There is a revival and, of course, there would always comes a riot when there's revival because when you break out in revival, that's going to cause somebody else to go into a riot. <laughs> but thanks be to God, we are blessed and we are highly favored of the Lord and we cannot lose for winning. And the best days are yet to come for those who keep hanging on to that nail-scarred hand and seeing scriptures in the light they were written of, and that is Christ and Him crucified. Today, 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is part 6 on this 16th day of April 2021. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we will back up like we like to do just a little bit and scratch our feet where we were, rub our feet in, and take off running again. Uh, but let's read uh, in verse 16 when Paul mentions him being in court. But before we do, I just have to say this. I believe where the Holy Spirit can bring about the focus of the gospel, where the Holy Spirit can get His people back to a gospel focus, there's going to be power. There's going to be power today in this session of teaching. There's going to be power today. The gospel of Jesus Christ draws and saves or sets on a course, a journey, running fast as a man, woman, boy, or girl can go away from God. The power of the gospel will draw and save or set somebody on a journey fast away from God. But it, there's power there to heal, to deliver, to save, to, to work miracles today during this broadcast, even if you're watching it on a day that's beyond the day we, we, we minister this, this, this teaching, there's power when the focus 
is the gospel. There's power when the focus is Jesus and Him crucified. For only from there flows the power of God. And I'm thankful to know that today, not to have to waste one more day fighting over which avenue the power of God comes through. It comes through the same avenue. It came to save your lost soul. Hallelujah. And I'm glad to know that today. Glorious God, hallelujah. Move mightily by your right hand today, Father. Touch and deliver every person who's sick or hurting, lame, under the attack of the enemy. Today's the day of our salvation and our deliverance. Today's the day for an impartation of truth into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that today, for not only your presence, but your power. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul says, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. It's kind of like Jesus going to the cross. Nobody went with him. They all forsook him. When you, my friend, stand your ground with your faith planted in Christ and Him crucified, rejecting everything else that would attempt to take its place, many times you will find yourself standing alone. <clears throat> you need to understand that. If, if you've got to have a crowd to go with you, you're not going to make it very far. Sometimes you've got to go alone. You're going to learn that. Many have turned back because they didn't like the loneliness of the cross, the uncomfortableness of the way of the cross. And, and, and you need to understand that. But Paul says, even though no man stood with me and all men forsook me, I pray that it won't be laid to their charge. Paul wants them to reach a place they'll overcome. At least they will stay the way of the truth they, they heard and believed that Paul preached. And he doesn't want God to strike them dead for not sticking with him, for, for, for turning away from him. He, he wants God to still be merciful to them. That's the heart of someone who truly has their faith in the sacrifice of Christ because that is what the cross portrayed. God loving us to forgive us while we were yet sinners, being gracious to us, merciful to us. Think about it. And if that's where our faith really is, then those things Jesus died for us to have will be functioning in our lives. I hear the whisper of the devil that says, well, nobody's perfect. Well, listen, I already know that, and I'm not listening to that phrase anymore. I already know nobody's perfect, ever has been or will be, until we are in the presence with, looking upon the perfect one, Jesus Christ. But I'm not going to listen to that excuse and allow that excuse to keep me from advancing and going after that one who is perfect. I'm tired of the excuses. You may allow them, but I'm done with them. They're gone, they're gone, gone. no more excuses. We've got to move forward. We've got to uh, allow the things Jesus died for us to have to function in our lives, to be gracious and merciful toward others, to, to treat lost people like we treat saved people. If it's possible, we love them. If possible, we are at peace with them. And Listen, it's always possible to love anybody. Now, it may not be 
possible to be at peace with certain folks, but we need to let the benefits of Calvary be manifest in our lives, not just uh, some outer appearance of a denominational group we're a part of. Come on, somebody. Verse 17, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. I, you know, Paul, I, I wish some men would have stood with me, but they didn't, not one. But the Lord stood with me. You need to understand the Lord standing with you through it all, no matter who goes and leaves you. The Lord will be there standing with you. And let me say it again, if that's not enough, you're not going to make it very far. If you're just going along but, uh, until, as long as your spouse will go along, you're, you're, you're not going to make it very long because she or he may just turn and run the other direction. Your kids may not go with you. Your church preacher may not keep going along with the way of the cross. In these last days, there's going to be more temptation for people to drop out, fall out. Oh, now they're going to carry their faithful confession. They're going to keep the same confession, but they're not going to be nowhere to be found. They're they, they going to think that the church is more dangerous than Walmart. They can go to Walmart. can't go to church. They can do everything else, but can't go to church. can't be a part of a local group of folks. Come on now. They're going to drop like flies. All oh, the excuses are going to oh, they're going to be so legitimate to their fleshly ideals and ways. But they're going to drop out. But preacher, you just keep preaching the cross. You know, preachers of the gospel are really like a clock. It just keeps on ticking. And when the people look to us in the message we preach, the gospel they'll find out eventually it was the on-time message and we need to be there ticking just like a clock whether they're faithful to come or to watch or to listen. You just keep putting the gospel out. Hallelujah. They might go away for six months, but when they look back at that old clock, they'll see it still ticking, click clock with the glorious gospel. And people do that. They fall away. They go away. But when they come back, they'll see that clock, that messenger of the gospel is faithful faithful to just keep ticking away, pointing to Christ and Him crucified. Don't stop. Don't look at those who are falling away. You'll follow them if you do. Just keep looking to that one who's guiding you to that finish line. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Keep looking at Him. If you look at folks who are falling away, you're going to find yourself following them because they got more legitimate to them excuses than I've ever heard in my life. But we just going to keep following the one who said the word was about him and he'll guide us in the light of his word. Not on our own terms, but on his. Hallelujah. So the fruit will be his. Glory to God. Paul says, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Why? That by me the preaching might be fully known and that the Gentiles might hear. All, all the Gentiles. Woo! I be one of them, so that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, Paul says. Paul says he was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Now, uh, some people try to say that that might have been uh, Nero and, 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 and thinking about putting Paul in the arena with, with the other Christians that they were persecuting and killing, letting the lions uh, uh, destroy them in front of crowds of people and all this, that or the other. But more than likely, it was Paul reaching back under the old covenant. Let me read you a couple of scriptures here. Uh, uh, uh. Psalms 22:21, which is really a prophetic 
scripture concerning Christ when he was dying at Calvary that says, save me from the lion's mouth. Well, there wasn't an animal lion there when Christ died. But watch now. Save me from the lion's mouth. Peter says there's one that goes to and fro as a lion, roaring as a lion, looking for whom he may devour. <laughs> the devil thought he devoured Christ at Calvary, but my Lord, it was his own devouring that took place. It was his own destruction that took place through what he did to Jesus. Watch this. Save me from the lion's mouth, for you have heard me from the horns of the unicorns. Daniel 6.22 My God has sent His angel and has shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before Him innocency, in, innocency was found in me and also before you, O King, have I done no hurt. And that's two different expressions. One, Daniel was in a lion's den with real lions, four-legged lions. Jesus was on the cross and the devil was roaring as a lion through his two-legged, demon-possessed people who were crucifying, the princes of this world who were crucifying the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to read you another one where Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he's speaking of the beasts at Ephesus. The beast, not the animals, four-legged animals, the beastly men. Watch, in, in 1 Corinthians 15.32, Paul speaks back of his, his being persecuted there in Corinth. He says, If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, and, and we know it's men, he tells us, if after the manner of men, beastly men, I have fought with beasts, men who were like beasts at Ephesus, what advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. He's speaking on behalf there to the church in Corinth of the resurrection. But he's saying, man, why did I go through with those beasts of Ephesus if there is no resurrection, I, I wouldn't have had to go through that if we're not going to die and be with the Lord Jesus. If it wasn't worth it, why would I have gone through it? But Paul persecuted even reaches the point where he finds himself in trial, on trial, because of his faith and stance in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, his preaching and teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and the only way to be saved through what he did for them at Calvary, that he is the Son of God, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, finds himself in prison. And in his trial, nobody's standing with him, but he knew the one that he walked with, the one he served, the one who allowed him to be in prison, the one who, because he was serving Christ, had his place in prison. I want you to think about that. But he also knew that the Lord stood with him and allowed him to continue to preach the gospel so that all the Gentiles might hear. And he was delivered out of the mouth of those evil, beastly men. And I'm thankful for that. Verse 18, he says, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. There's nothing coming in your life, saints, if you'll stand your ground in the gospel that will destroy you. God has you in His hand. 
You follow His leading. You keep your faith anchored in the cross of Jesus Christ and no matter what happens to you, it will be for the sake of you being an edification to the body of Christ. It will be for the sake of you expressing His fruit in the midst of every situation. God sometimes won't. He keeps us from being sick. God sometimes heals us when we are sick. Uh, from being sick, God sometimes, not sometimes, he, he always comforts us while we are sick or He's going to just take us on home and we'll wave goodbye to all sickness. But God is going to be found faithful if we'll trust Him in all situations. If we're not sick, if we're being kept from being sick, if we are sick and being comforted while we're sick, if we're delivered and healed from sickness, or if He takes us on home and we wave goodbye to all sickness, you can't get around. God is faithful. And you'll find that faithfulness. Many Christians don't understand. They'll say God is faithful, but they, they don't really find His faithfulness. God wants His faithfulness to be found in your life because when you find His faithfulness, you express his faithfulness. See, us being faithful to others is the expression of God's faithfulness to us. It's not about us just working so somebody will see we're doing good. It's about our relationship with the Lord. We're trusting Him. He's faithful to us. And, and when we trust Him through everything... His faithfulness is seen through us and others are encouraged, edified to move on in the situations they find themselves in. Our being comforted in our struggles is the same, the Bible says, the same comfort that we can comfort others with. And we need to remember that. We need to continue just to march on in this great truth, in spite of what comes our way, in spite of what happens to us. And it's easier, I know, it's easier said than done, but by the grace of God, it is done. It is done. We continue to march on in the great truth of Jesus Christ and Him crucified when most of the church in these last days will not endure sound doctrine. Have you ever noticed that when church folk get together, the one thing they won't talk about, I'm talking about different churches, different Christians that go to different places of worship, they can get together, but they're not going to talk about doctrine because they're not in agreement on doctrine. That's where the church is today. Paul told Timothy in this letter that there will come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine. The devil has tiptoed into the church and told everybody, well, that's just your interpretation and that's okay. We have ours and that's okay. No, they can't be two different interpretations and both people be right. Both may be wrong, one may be right and the other wrong, but they can't both be right if they're two different doctrinal interpretations. One of them's not sound. What makes doctrine sound is faith in the cross. That scripture seen in the light 
of Christ who is the light and what he did at Calvary that allows the light to come on and to stay on. You and I need to remember that. Oh, Wednesday night's message was very special to me because the first of the seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelations, beginning in Revelation chapter 2, is Ephesus. And the, 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 the commending of the church is there by the Lord. But the warning is also there by the Lord. If they don't get back to their first love, which is the place of their first works, that He will remove their lampstand. He'll remove the light of their church. Is that not where most churches are today? Sound doctrine is the only light that emanates from a church. Sound doctrine. And those who don't have it don't have light. Sound doctrine has to be always tied to that form of doctrine that delivered you from sin and made you a servant of righteousness. Think about this for a moment. When you and I were born again, the Lord, He made us, declared us righteous in Christ. He made us servants of righteousness. This is all scriptural. He made you a servant of righteousness because of your faith in the sacrifice of Christ. I want you to get that today. If the fruit of what we're teaching and doing is not the fruit of our faith in the cross, which is the only avenue of righteous fruit, it's not sound. And it has no light to it. It, it, It's not sound. It has no light with it. Sound doctrine has to be tied to that form of doctrine that delivered you, made you free from sin, and made you a servant of righteousness. Sound doctrine outside of that teaching, not because of that at one time bringing us in, sound doctrine has to be about that. All doctrine has to be tied to and holding dearly to the message of the cross. If it's not, there'll be no light and no power that's of the Holy Spirit and that's where we have to start faking it and putting on a show and stamping God on it. Pretty much flesh rules almost all the church today. I'm not being ugly. I'm just being real. Now I know most don't agree with that and most don't see that. But all that group of folk I'm talking about right there, they're not walking in the light of Calvary. They're not walking in the light of Calvary. We need to remember those. Those are powerful things that the Lord has been trying to reveal the whole church age. But in these last few moments of this time called the times of the Gentiles, the Lord is going to increase the knowledge that we could have had all along. He's going to increase it. Where? The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. He will show them His covenant. That word fear is a powerful word. It simply means to estimate the very value of God's worth against everything else in your life. That's what it means. Paul, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us, we seem to come short of it. That word fear, what it really means ultimately is that Let us weigh the value of what God is offering against everything else. 
the way God offers it through every other avenue that men say God offers it. Let us weigh the things of God according to the Word of God against everything else. Oh, that's so important. But again, sound doctrine is not what the church is looking for today. If you think about it, and this is so sad to have to bring to the table, but it's so true. We look for those who are interested in the things in the natural that we're interested in. We, we look for those who wear the same kind of clothes that we do. I know churches that, that, that whatever the preachers really outside of church interest are, you got a lot of people in this church that like those same things. Hmm. And I'm not going to get too deep into that. That's why it's careful. It's dangerous for a gospel preacher to get all wrapped up in anything other than just preaching the gospel. I'm not saying he shouldn't have hobbies. He shouldn't have whatever. That's between him and the Lord. But you've got to be careful of these stereotypical churches. You go in there, everybody looks the same. Everybody's wearing the same kind of clothes. Everybody... No, we need to be looking for the truth, my friend. We need to be looking for the truth. Now, I know that's what we say we're going to go get, but we need to be looking for the truth. The truth is a man named Jesus and what he did at Calvary. And in these last few moments of this time we're living in that's about to close before the rapture takes place, you're not going to find many churches that open the Bible and point you to the cross of Jesus Christ. I was listening to a, a worship leader just this morning talking about, uh, oh, and boy, I tell you, music can move you, you know, and he was talking about how your tears are tied to your deliverance. My friend, there's only one thing God has sent humanity to save us and to deliver us, and that is His Word. Psalms 107.20, He sent His Word to deliver them and to heal them, to heal them of all infirmities and, and to deliver them from all destruction. He sent His Word. His name is Jesus, the Word that became flesh. God became flesh. He sent His Word. The Word of God outside of Christ and what He did at Calvary is the Word of God being held in an unrighteous context, making it unsound doctrine. God only gives sound wisdom to those who He's able to teach sound doctrine. Let's make sure we don't just think we're sitting under sound doctrine, but we're not. Let's make sure we don't ever give it ear. See, music does something to our souls and our spirit man. All music does. has an effect on us. And if we're not careful, the type of music that we enjoy can usher in false things being told us. Sometimes that we're not even aware of, not paying attention to. Up here's where we know what's going on and recognize it. Back here, things are still happening and we don't see what's really going on, but we need to. Let's get back into this today. My goodness, that was good. The Lord shall deliver me, he says, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He tells...
Timothy is there in Ephesus. He's writing to Timothy. Timothy's in Ephesus. If you think about Ephesus, my goodness, they go back and read Acts 19 that gives us a picture of what happened in Ephesus. And I told you earlier, 1 Corinthians, let me bring it up again, uh, 1 Corinthians uh 1532 where Paul talks about fighting uh, uh, against the me- the beast of Ephesus meaning the religious the uh, uh, God uh, what was her name Diana the goddess worshipers Artemis worshipers and and all the blacksmiths and, and and that made idols and when Paul began to preach the gospel they begin to get saved and go home and 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 tear down their idols and crash them and they they had big bonfires of books that writings that had been written of how to how to worship Diana and why they need to worship Diana the goddess and they begin to have bonfires bonfires and and a great riot broke out. Let me mention that again. If you come back to the cross, you're going to be in revival, Christian. But there's also going to be riots everywhere you go. There's going to be riots that break out because of your faith. The Bible says, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, and says that we carry this glorious knowledge of Christ that is an aroma pleasing unto God to some, this knowledge of Christ. We carry it. Not, not your good deeds. Lost people try to live right sometimes. But you carry the knowledge of Christ is a well-pleasing aroma to God. To some, you're, you're the, the aroma of life unto life, but to some, you are the going to be the cause of a riot, the stench of death unto death. You're going to cause so much problems. And again, if you're not able to stand in the midst of problems, if you can't stand in the midst of problems... Because somebody don't like your faith, somebody don't like what you stand for, they will, they will make you throw the towel in and quit, or to say the least, the enemy, the beasts that drive them will cause your mouth to be shut. And Paul said, I'm not going to shut my mouth. You might put me in prison. Most aren't willing to go that far, but I'm still not going to shut my mouth. You might put me in jail, but the Word of God cannot be bound. You might bind me in fetters and ride me out of town on a a pole, but the Word of God cannot be bound. People every once in a while send me messages about how they used to be frustrated and mad at me about always trying to tie the cross to everything. And, and I'm not trying to tie the cross to everything. The cross of Christ is tied to everything. It's what gives all the Word of God the light that it does. Hallelujah. There is no light of God's Word without the message of the cross. No power in God's Word without the message of the cross. And through the years, people have sent me messages, some many times ugly, oh, awful messages on the phone and emails. But every once in a while, there'll be one of those messages that come through that says, I'm glad you just kept preaching this message. I didn't like you. I was mad at you. I even cursed you. I was frustrated. But now I get it. Just keep preaching the truth. 
And that's what we need to do. Just like I said earlier, we just need to be like a clock on the wall. We just keep ticking. We just keep clicking away this time God has given us, this little vapor of a life, just to keep sharing the gospel, whether it's in this office, in our homes, in a pulpit, in a sanctuary, in a prison cell. The clock keeps telling the time. The gospel tells the time we're in. The gospel tells the time that we're living in. The gospel shows where we've been, where we are, and where we're headed. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ reveals the things that the church needs to know today. The way into the kingdom, the way to have the power through this journey of life, the power of the kingdom, the gospel. Not because we were saved by the gospel, but because we were saved by the gospel and our lives are now through faith in the gospel becoming the gospel as Paul told the church in Philippi. But again, focus on Ephesus. Paul was in Ephesus over three years. Great things happened. Ugly things happened. He writes to Timothy, 1st and 2nd Timothy. He writes to Ephesus, the book of Ephesians. He speaks of Ephesus. John, the revelator, writes concerning a letter to the church in Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2. The reach of God was in to Ephesus in a powerful and mighty way. And wherever there's a reach <coughs> excuse me, of the Lord into any area, there's going to be a revival and there's going to be riots. Spiritually speaking, sometimes physically they break out. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> God's people at the judgment seat of Christ, those that make it to that judgment and don't throw in the towel and quit and, 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 and walk away, which many have done, many have walked away from the faith, at the judgment seat of Christ, there will be an answer given for why folks drove 30, 40 miles to be in a church that wasn't focused on the gospel, preaching the message of the cross when they had one they could have walked to right across the street. They will answer for that. They will answer for that. The church will answer why they weren't focused on the gospel. We will give an answer as to why we were not gospel-centered, although we say we are. If we're not all about the cross of Christ, we're not all about the gospel. If we're all about just the blessings of the Lord, we're not all about the Lord. I know Christians right now, you get around them, all they're going to do, that's all they ever talk about is the blessings. I don't really want to talk about the Lord. The truth of the Lord. The doctrines that hold us together if we are together in unity. So he says here in verse 19, he tells Timothy to salute Prisca, which is Priscilla, and Aquila, who she's married to, Aquila, who were, Aquila was a Jew. Him and his wife Priscilla were living in Rome, Italy. 
And all of a sudden, the governor, Claudius, up all of a sudden and said, all Christians, you got to go. All Christians in Rome and Italy, you got to get out. You got to go. Out. And they ended up, their exodus, in Corinth. And that's where they met Paul. And uh, I'm telling you, in the days ahead, oh, you didn't think what's happening now in America would ever happen. Oh, let me tell you, I've known it. I've, I've noticed it from the time I was really young, young teenager, that the things that are happening all over the world eventually happen here. And these great exoduses from certain locations to other locations, you hadn't seen anything yet. And it's all headed to a spiritual tone. Right now, it's just conservative, non-conservative, and conservatives that I am. Uh, we are that way because of what we believe spiritually. And eventually, everybody's going to be brought into that. To the recognition of why conservatives believe what they believe and liberals, non-conservatives believe what they believe. It's all going to come to a spiritual place. And eventually, even in this nation, there will be entire states that say, if you're a Christian, you got to get out of here. You got to go. You say, well, I don't really believe that. Well, you, 50 years ago, you would have never, ever believed what's happening now could be happening. Ever. It's coming, my friend. If Jesus tarries, it's coming. It's coming. This Aquila and his wife Priscilla, they were living in Rome, Italy. All of a sudden, probably because of the gospel. The message of the cross, I'm telling you, it's not going away. All Christians say, oh, that message of the cross, all them cross preachers, it ain't going away, honey. It's going to get more evident that this is the way. I shared it yesterday's teaching in Revelation chapter uh, 6. That those in the very last of the last days of the great tribulation, when we're already gone, the saints of God, the Bible says they're crying out to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, fall on us, hide us from the great wrath of the Lamb. They call Him the Lamb, but they still won't repent. Let me tell you something. Unbelief is powerful. It don't matter even if you get to the place you, they realize the lamb is the one throwing hailstones at them. It's the wrath of the lamb. Why? Because they've heard that in the preaching. The message of the cross ain't going away, honey. What do you think the two witnesses are going to be preaching when one day when there's just two witnesses on the earth? They're going to be preaching the message of the cross. The power of God is the preaching of the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. And the church don't want to hear it. The church don't want to hear, oh, that's what saved us. We need... No, that's where the confusion comes in. This is an important statement. We, we preachers need to be saying this more often. Since we were young children growing up in Sunday school, we, we've learned how the Bible in the Old Covenant relates to the stories of Jesus in the New Covenant. But the confusion and the hazy places, the cloudy places, the places where there's... So much confusion is how they're applied to us right now, today. 
See, that's not taught. And when it is taught, 99.9% of the time, it's taught to us in that they're applied to us by what we do instead of that which we believed that brought us in to the very experience of salvation. That should tell us alone right there. I should have known that, yet I was carried away through the lust of my flesh, not knowing. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 6, don't you know? Let me tell you something today, sitting right here right now, I'm telling you, 99.9% of all Christians, truly born again, say belong to God. They do not know how, how to live for God. Somebody recently told me, well, you just live for God. That's, that proves right there that it's on their own terms, how they do what they do when they do it. How you live for God, is it, there's only one way. And it's the same way, His name is Jesus, that saved you, brought you in, faith in the sacrifice of Christ. You need to understand. If you don't believe that, my friend, you're in spiritual adultery right now. You're fornicating spiritually against your husbandman, the Lord Jesus Christ. If it's not our faith in the cross, there's only one other thing our faith can be in, and that's law. That's things we do. And that's playing the part of a harlot, spiritual, adu spiritual adultery. We're cheating on our Lord Jesus Christ, our husband, Jesus. We're married to him, Romans chapter 7. But Paul tells Timothy, salute Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Now, Onesiphorus is mentioned by Paul here to Timothy in chapter 1 when he's talking again about everybody's turned away from him, everybody's forsaken him, but Onesiphorus wasn't ashamed of my chains. Today's church, man, if... Let's just use this for an example, which it's obvious. Pre most preachers won't have anything to do with other preachers unless there's something they can get out of it to give them a platform, a, a bigger platform that, that lets them uh, uh, be, their church be known or them be known or, 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 or they get some kind of advantage out of it. If, they, if, they're not, if it's just the gospel, if it's just the power of the preaching of God's righteousness, the message of the cross, if that's all that they're going to bring to our church and offer us, uh, not so much. I, that's not really what we need. Oh my goodness. I want you to think about that. And all those preachers, if they would have lived in Paul's day, they'd have forsook him. They'd have turned away from him. Why, you ask? Because Paul's in prison. What does a man in prison, locked up in chains, have to offer anybody? Unless, of course, we see he holds the revelation of the cross. He holds the word of God. God, the Lord called him, give, gave him the very revelation, the avenue of what the cross is really about, what happened really at the cross, the, the way the church should function, all the gifts of the Spirit, the, the receiving of the offerings, the, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the church order, almost all the things the church 
is called and ordered to function as and in the direction was given to the Apostle Paul. But Paul from prison can't make me look good anymore. Paul from prison can't... Come on now, son. I'm not being ugly. I'm just being real today. There are ministers who look for people on their level of ministry in the natural to fellowship with. Starving to death for fellowship. But they go out and look for preachers who are about where they are property size, building wise, or maybe status of your name in media wise. And they look for fellowship among those who, here we are again back to that dangerous place, who are what they think are like them. What we need is fellowship in the gospel. Fellowship is in the gospel or it's not true fellowship. Fellowship is in the unity of the faith of the Son of God or it's not true fellowship. It's not true unity. Not only can there not be fellowship between light and darkness, but the other thing mentioned there that is not exclusively speaking of lost and saved is righteousness and unrighteousness. How can those who hold God's Word in an unrighteous manner fellowship with those who hold it in its righteous context? How, how can there be fellowship between Christians who don't endure sound doctrine and those who do? Because they all think they do. That's why. And that's why when they get together, the one thing they don't discuss is sound doctrine. Because they know if they do, the fellowship won't be happening anymore. I've come to learn this. Where there is true faith in the cross and where that is the boast of any ministry, that and that alone is the boast of any ministry. Wherever it's like that, anywhere else, there will be a hunger and a desire for fellowship among those believers, even if it's in the same town. Churches in the same town. If there is a true boast in the cross and the cross alone, there will be fellowship. There will be that kindred spirit of unity. But if it's not, wherever that faith is not really the boast of our ministry, faith in the cross, there will be a lack. There will be a lack of fellowship. There will be a lack of unity. There will be a lack. Great lack. Salute. Paul tells Timothy, Priscilla and Aquila, and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. Now, there's other things I could tell you this morning. Uh, I'll give you a couple of scriptures. You can jot them down concerning Erastus. You can go back, get a little bit more deeper uh, picture of who Paul's greeting here in his last letter he ever writes before he dies. So these people are special to Paul, to the Lord, and hopefully, I believe they would be, to Timothy. But Acts 19.22, Acts 19.22, in Romans 16.23, Paul mentions this Erastus. So go back and check that out. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. Now I've got to say this today, and, and it, hopefully it will help us. Because we really already know this. Sometimes we just don't understand why. But the Lord used Paul 
to work miracles, to heal the sick. But here we find Trophimus having to be left behind at Miletus by Paul because he, he was sick. He didn't get well. He wasn't healed miraculously. I don't know what happened after this about Trophimus at Miletum, but Paul had to go. This man was sick and couldn't go. Well, it wasn't up to Paul, just, well, I'll heal you right quick because Paul never healed. Jesus, through Paul, healed. Healing and in none of the gifts of the Spirit are just based on men's choice and men's decision, and I'll just do this. It's at as the Spirit moves among us. Now I know Christians, I've been a part of groups, I've been a part of groups of Christians that lay hands on the sick and they leave claiming they're healed, but they're not healed. They're healed in Jesus' name prophetically one day. They will all be healed. But they, they mean they're healed now. But they walk out with the same limp they walked in. They walk out with the same disease they walked in. And their faith is in their confession that if they keep saying I'm healed, the Lord will heal me. Well, let me tell you something. If your faith is in your confession, your faith is not in what moves God. Faith in the cross of Jesus Christ moves God. And it moves God only according to His will, which is perfect. His purpose, which is perfect, that we can't see a lot of times. His perfect will is perfect purpose. We, we can't see it a lot of times, but we trust Him. Paul didn't say, well, I'm not leaving here, Lord, till you heal him. I know you've healed before. Uh, you're going to heal him through me again. I just confess it in Jesus' name. No, the Lord told Paul to go. This man would have gone, obviously, or Paul wouldn't have worded it this way, but Trophimus have I left there because he was sick. I had to leave him at my lead him because he's sick. So God don't always heal. And we've all seen this. We all know this, but we need to bring this out because it's not in our choosing to decree and declare, but it is ours to believe the Lord. You'll never make me believe that Paul didn't pray for this man, Trophimus. I believe that Paul would have prayed for him. Paul would have asked the Lord to heal him so he could have went with him. But again, God's purpose and God's plan, His will is perfect, and many times we don't understand it, but we have to keep moving. We have to keep moving in what God's called us to do, where He's called us to walk, in spite of us being in jail, in spite of them being sick and not being able to continue with us, we have to keep moving. In spite of those that fall out and fall by the wayside and it breaks our hearts, we have to keep moving. We have to keep clicking just like that glorious gospel clock telling the time of where we are, where we've been and where we're headed, and what God can do through that glorious truth of Christ and Him crucified. But he tells Timothy, do your diligence to come before winter. Eubulus. Now I know I'm from Texas, so I'm not pronouncing any of these names right. But this man's name, Eubulus, it means prudent. So apparently, hopefully, he was a prudent brother. <laughs> but he says, 
Eubulus greets you, and Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the you, Timothy. Last verse of this fourth chapter of the last letter the Apostle Paul would write, the last line that's penned by this precious Apostle chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ are these words. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. See, I personally don't believe those are two different things. For if the Lord Jesus Christ is with our spirit, that is grace with us. Hebrews calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth, the Comforter. Hebrew calls that same Spirit of God the Spirit of grace. Holy Spirit is the Spirit of grace. Grace is not something God just gives you, although He gives us grace, but grace is God's work in you, to you, for you, through you. Grace is God at work. Grace is God functioning in you and through you. God, Grace is not just something God sprinkles you with. Grace is the Spirit of God saving, teaching, delivering, ministering, loving, being merciful, gracious, all the things that God's will calls for in and through us he has to be the one doing it by His Spirit of grace. And you'll always find that taking place, the Lord Jesus Christ being with our spirit. Grace functioning in our lives. That's the Spirit of grace. That's God functioning in our lives according to His purpose and His will. I hope you've been encouraged through these first and second letters of Timothy to Paul in Ephesus that the Lord has given us to help us along the way of our journey. I hope that you will have been encouraged and edified and that you will help others along the way by sharing, posting on social media where they can find these teachings that constantly point to the Redeemer and His redeeming work that reveal that if that's not where our faith is, then it's some other faith at work and not the measure of faith we've been given. For the measure of faith prevents us. If it's functioning, it prevents us from thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to, Romans 12 and 3. But if we're functioning through any other faith, and we are if we try to place faith in anything other than the cross... The measure of faith only works when it's placed in that which allowed the Lord to deal us that measure, which is the cross. And when we try to trust in this program or this thing now that men in the church say, this is what God's using to pour His power out through, whatever that is, the measure God dealt you of faith won't work there. The measure of faith God dealt you always allows Him to work in your life bringing the fruit of His Spirit, the, magnif the magnification of the name of Jesus, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit to glorify our Heavenly Father. I've been blessed. I hope you have. Here we will soon be starting another endeavor 
I don't know how long it'll last, but the Lord is showing me some things concerning just the simple word faith. And, and, and through the way of the cross, the words of God's righteousness, He will show us some things concerning His covenant and that great word faith. Not taught on as men have twisted it outside the confines of Calvary, but through the light of Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary, the Lord will reveal great and mighty things. So next Friday morning at 9 a.m., be sure to tune in for the Cross Time with Pastor Curtis broadcast. And we'll begin to endeavor moving into that teaching on faith that I believe is going to open eyes and cause hearts to be receptive in ways they've not been before. I believe it's going to remove the cloudy and the hazy places that have surrounded the heart and prevented us from walking in a place of clarity that God wants us to have in these last days. Don't forget to help us with those Bibles that we mentioned early on in the broadcast going to the inmates, seven per week. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com. You can also do that by texting the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. Again, that's 903-231-5950. Be a part of helping us send the Word of God, these expositor study Bibles, into the prison system. Help us publish God's Word. I love you. He loves you. We'll see you next time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.